Welcome to Cloudcast Basics, the best source on the internet for learning cloud computing. And now from the Cloudcast Studios, here are your hosts, Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely. Hello and welcome to Cloudcast Basics. This is season one, show two, episode two. This is your co-host, Brian Gracely, and as always, my other co-host, Aaron. Hey, everybody. You know, today we're going to talk about the second sort of foundational technology. In, in episode one, we talked about compute. Today, we're going to talk about the storage portion of cloud computing. So, Aaron, why don't you kick it off? What does storage mean in the cloud? Well, first of all, we need to understand a bunch of terms. But at the same time, don't get overwhelmed by all of these terms. You don't need to know what all of them mean, and you don't have to memorize all of them. Because at the end of the day, think of it as it's different options on a menu, and you just have to figure out what is right for you. And so let's start with, um, you'll hear some terms, block storage, you'll hear object storage, you'll hear about files. And I'll talk about each of those individually here very quickly. Block storage is the fundamental when you think you're going to store something, you're going to store something that is attached to compute and you want it to be fast. You know, it's it's the equivalent of our hard drive or the SSD um, in our laptop today. Then you have object. Object, think of it as we like to use the term blob storage, but but think of it as big objects and think of it as a, a lot of files stored in the cloud and can be retrieved easily, but not always necessarily high performant. And file, file is file shares. So if you, in your day job, have a file share you go to, um, and you're pulling files down, it's stored on a network file storage system somewhere in your organization or in the cloud. That's file storage. Now, underneath each of those types, you'll have your regular old traditional hard disks. You'll have new flash and SSDs, which are nothing, nothing more than solid state, very, very fast. Um, and then you have some other terms that we'll go through here as we go through all of this of, you know, snapshots and how to protect things. But I, I, it's important to understand again, what does your application require? What does your compute require? Do you have to go fast? Do you want to store a lot of, of data or do you want to make sure you're accessing it somewhere where everyone can access it? So Brian, how is this storage allocated as well? Yeah. So, you know, as you mentioned, you know, once, once you figure out the, the right type of storage you need for your application, and again, uh, you know, a block, file, object, um, you know, your application teams can oftentimes sort of tell you what they need. There's, there's really kind of two variables when you're talking about storage. Um, the first one is going to be capacity. How much storage do I need, right? So, uh, you know, think about it. When you buy your laptop, typically they'll, they'll tell you this one comes with two gig of storage or four gig of storage or whatever. Um, you know, when you're using applications in the cloud, you're probably going to be talking about, uh, you know, in some cases, petabytes of storage or terabytes of storage. You know, those are just kind of multiples of you know, what you're used to, but, but how much do I need? And 
you're thinking about how much do I need right now? And then you're often thinking about, okay, over time, this application will grow. It will collect more data, uh, either user data or data about the system itself. And so you sort of want to be able to say, okay, I need this much to get started. And we expect that it's going to grow 20 or 30% every year. So we'll keep adding that much more. And so that's the first variable that you're, you're thinking about. And then the second variable, and Aaron, you talked about this a little bit, is how fast do I need that storage to be? How fast do I need access to the data? And, and this really is the thing that ultimately will kind of determine how, it, how expensive it is or how much it costs because the faster access you need to the data, uh, the faster the storage system needs to be. And so you'll often hear a variable or a thing called IO or input-output. How fast do I need access to that data? If the application that I have um, needs to be you know, millisecond responses, immediate responses so that my users don't see any delays, um, you're going you're gonna to use certain characteristics of storage. If you're really just you know, kind of pulling down large amounts of information and the speed at which it comes back you know, a second or two seconds or whatever is acceptable, um, then you're probably going to pick a different variation. And so the same way that we talked about compute having these different matrices of you know, CPU and memory, storage kind of has different matrices of you know, how much capacity can it store and how fast does it respond to that storage um, or that, that I.O. So, Aaron, you know, we, we talked a little bit about, okay, there's a lot of variations. Um, there's you know, different speed variations, different kind of capacity variations. There are different variations for the application. Let's just talk about a really basic concept. So how is storage sort of allocated in the public cloud? And then you know, what did you used to have to do back in the data center? Sort of compare and contrast those two things for us. Yeah. First of all, I'll start at the data center and and kind of the the way it was. And and for many that operate on premises today, it, it, it still is to a certain extent. You had storage either locally in a server. And so you had the compute, the memory and the storage all combined into, into one server, typically installed in a rack. Or you went to a SAN, uh, storage attached uh, networking, where you basically were accessing the data, multiple servers, accessing one big storage array. Um, now, in the traditional way, just like we mentioned in the previous uh, episode with compute, you had to rack and stack it. You know, a lot of times there was IT tickets to put in. You had to install the software. You, you have to do patching and maintenance on it. You have to, uh, I like to refer to it as care and feeding, right? There's lots of care and feeding because you are responsible for the storage system. And the way that is contrasted to the cloud today is you don't think about any of that. That care and feeding is done by the cloud provider. They maintain all of it and they have it available for you on demand so that you can provision what you need when you need it and pay for it as you go. So very, very different model because you don't have to do what we call capacity planning, um, especially with storage. Storage capacity planning over time, when you're operating a data center was very critical. What are my storage needs? Because you would buy it 
typically for uh, three to five, sometimes even seven years and depreciate that capital expense. Well, now I have a completely different cost model. I don't have to buy up front. I don't have to worry about, well, did I overestimate or underestimate my capacity analysis for the next couple of years? Um, I briefly mentioned it, Brian, but do you want to elaborate any more on the shared responsibility models between all of this? Did you have anything to add there? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, <clears throat> again, the, the way to think about this is, um, you know, in the past, uh, you you typically owned the asset that was storage, and you also owned the application. So you you owned, think of it as sort of, you owned both sides of it. You owned the application of the data, and then you also owned maintaining the data so that it didn't get lost, it didn't get corrupted. Um, it was, you know, backed up and replicated so that, um, you know, your your legal teams and your compliance teams could could do the work they had to do if for some reason you got sued or you needed to have backups from years past. In the cloud, that model sort of splits. So the cloud provider is responsible for making sure that operationally the system runs, um, the system is, you know, highly available, the system is highly durable, but you still own the application and in most cases, you still own the data. So you're ultimately responsible for making sure that you, at various times, uh, click a button and back up the data. Um, you don't have to worry about where it goes anymore so much because uh, that part's taken care of. But you're still responsible for the integrity of the data. You're still responsible for making sure it gets backed up. You're still responsible in a lot of cases that if it needs to get encrypted, that you are responsible for the encryption, that you still hold the keys for the encryption. So just like in compute, um, and you're going to see this in a lot of elements of cloud computing, there is this shared model. And it's really important. The biggest thing to understand is, number one, okay, there's a shared model. Number two, where's that line? What does the cloud compute provider do? What do we have to do? And be really clear about what you have to do. Uh, because oftentimes what happens in the cloud is people get... I don't want to say they get lazy, but they get complacent and they just assume, oh, that first part was really easy. We got on the cloud. It was easy. Setting things up was easy. And they maybe get a little bit uh, you know, lazy, if you will, in thinking, maybe I don't have to do as many things as I had to do before. So be really clear in teaching your teams and teaching yourself what is your responsibility and then uh, you know, what, what's the cloud provider responsibility and you know, how, do you, how do you validate that? Okay. Let's go back to another sort of technical aspect of this. You know, we talked about block file and object at the beginning, and people might be going, I don't, again, I still don't totally get why are these all these various things if they're all just like hard drives? Why are there so many variations of storage? What's the, what's the reasoning behind it? Well, the, the biggest way to look at this is, I mean, at the end of the day, what does storage do? It stores data. But there's so many variations of that data as, as Brian mentioned earlier, maybe there's a database and that database is highly performant. And so you want that to be on something that is really fast. What if you're storing images that is in an archive and you just need to store them for compliance purposes for a number of years and you're not going to access them rarely, if at all, and they don't need to be stored in something high performant. Um, what if your data is encrypted? 
And if it's encrypted, or a lot of times if it's in a database, it doesn't compress very well. So it takes more storage than it would as if you were just storing a bunch of random files that maybe compress well. So there's lots of variations in all of this. And, you know, we usually think of things as, as you know, either high performance is one bucket because it's accessed a lot and you need access to that data quickly. Um, there's a term we use called cheap and deep, right? Maybe it is something that because it isn't accessed very often, it, it the cost isn't a lot and you need a lot of that. And, and so there's kind of a spectrum, if you will. And the spectrums are typically how much capacity do you need? Uh, what is the speed of that? And how often is it accessed? Um, and, and so you have to consider all of these variables in this. And that is why there is so many variations, because some of them may be very, very expensive for the file type you're actually trying to store. Some of it, if it's something that is you know, the, the, the company's ERP system, it's critical. It, it keeps the business alive. So you want to spend a lot of money on it. But if it's something that's just being archived for compliance, that's you're meeting a regulation and you want to do that as, as cost effective as possible and where it's located is also super important. And so Brian, why does it matter where the storage is located and how does it get organized in clouds as well? Yeah. So you know, as we talked about in compute, um, you know, typically the cloud providers, the way that they organize their clouds, uh, first is sort of geography, and and you'll often hear those called regions. So, you know, maybe there is a U.S. East region and a U.S. West region, and then maybe as you get into Europe, there's a you know the U.K. region, a France region, a Germany region. You know, they 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 start off sort of geographically. Do we have a, a fairly local footprint, a fairly local data center? And then the next thing they do is within those regions, um, which typically are you know multiple big building data centers, they'll have what they call availability zones. And those availability zones are kind of redundancy within a given space. So you know redundancy within the UK. And um, so just like we have that in compute, we also have that in storage. And so you know typically uh, you're going to be going okay. As Aaron mentioned in the last show, I want to be as close to my data as possible. And typically with data, you you want to make your data and your application as close as possible, right? That's the first thing that you want to be somewhat tied closely together because they're often talking together and you want them to be talking together as quickly as possible. Then the other thing you're thinking about is, well, if my, my users of the application where are they? And this is where things get a little more complicated because your users might be all over the world, right? You might be running a, a website that's all over the world. And so this is where you start to get into thinking about not just where was the original application, but do I need to replicate that such that um, you know there's a, a way that people in Europe can access it fairly locally in Europe? Can they access it locally in Asia? Can they access it locally in the US and, and so forth? So the same way that you think about uh, compute, you know, you want to think about locality. You want to think about um, are we making things highly available? Meaning, you know, there's a backup copy or there's a secondary running copy that if the first one fails for whatever reason, the data center goes down, the application fails. The other thing that you have to think about in terms of locality for data is um, how often am I moving data around? 
and this is a really important thing we're probably going to talk about as we get into pricing, but um, you know, understanding not just my application accesses a database, for example, but how often does my application also have to go talk to something externally? So maybe it has to go talk to Twitter. It has to go talk to salesforce.com. It has to go talk to something else. This is where you also have to understand kind of the flows of where data is going, right? How much data moves in and out of the application? How much data, you know, what direction does that go? Does it go within the cloud? Does it stay like within AWS or Azure? Does it go into a different cloud, right? Maybe it goes into the Salesforce cloud or it goes into the IBM cloud or something else. The reason I say this is really important is depending on where it goes and how much it is, you may get charged different ways depending on, on that. And we'll dive into that a little more in pricing, but um, data is is important to know the locality, but it's also just as important to know the flow of data. Where does it go? How much goes in and out uh, at any given time? And 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 then where, you know, who does it connect to? Is it just your applications or third-party applications? So that was a lot to sort of wrap our heads around. Um, Aaron, what, uh, you know, what, what do you need to know about making sure that you don't lose your data? Because obviously, you know, having data is great. Losing data is a really bad day. What are some of the things that, you know, kind of concepts that people have to understand about not losing your data or not getting deleted? Yeah, and <clears throat> what's really important here is understanding the different layers. And, and I like to explain it as in copies of the data. Think of it as the, the primary copy, that first copy, is your actual data. It is the actual data your users and applications will be accessing at any given time. And what we will do as a first line of defense, because you can restore it very quickly, is we do what we call a snapshot. Think of a snapshot as a point in time copy or picture of the data. So if you need to roll back to the snapshot, I need to roll back to 8 a.m. this morning. You just click a button, your data is rolled back. It's rolled back extremely quickly because it is essentially a within that primary copy rollback. So that's number one. Now, snapshots are not backups. So that's the secondary copy, this secondary copy of the data because kind of a golden rule um, of data and data protection, there's a three, two, one rule. You want three copies of your data, two of them in the same location and one at another location. And the reason why is because that primary copy, you want to be able to return quickly, but what if it gets corrupted? What if it goes away? What if you can't recover that snapshot? Then you need to go to the second layer, which is backups. Backups is an alternate copy and you want it close by because you want to be able to, in worst case, restore to that primary copy very, very quickly. Then there is the copy that is offsite because what if the entire site goes away? Or what if the entire um, availability zone goes away? This is where we want to replicate data across availability zones or regions as well to make sure you have that in case of emergency, all else has failed. You still want a copy somewhere sealed away 
And it is there just in case of disaster recovery purposes. And so that is probably the biggest and and easiest way to think about all of this. But it also leads into cost, which is cost is our final topic for today. How does all of this factor into cost in the cloud, Brian? Yep. Um, So I'm going to kind of make this quick because, again, this is another thing that could be its own podcast and a PhD level thing. There's a, there's a couple of factors you need to keep in mind with storage, right? The first is there's going to be the cost just to store the data, right? And again, um, you know, if you're having to store stuff that goes faster or is on a higher quality storage, it's probably going to cost a little more money. Um, if you're storing things in environments that you don't access very often, so what they call like archival or long-term storage, it's typically going to be much cheaper um, because you've basically said, we're not going to access that data very often. It's only used for backups or archivals. So the first factor is, you know, storage is going to have sort of a fixed price, typically on a per gigabit basis. In some cases, there'll be a secondary factor of, you know, per gigabit at certain higher speeds, right? So there's, there's that aspect. The other really important thing to consider with data, and this will sort of lead into our, our next show, which is about networking, is there is cost to move your data around. So for example, when you wanna move data into the public cloud, in almost every public cloud, maybe not all of them, but almost every public cloud, they allow you to move data into the public cloud for free, right? But if you then wanna take data out of the cloud, they charge you for the data that comes out of the cloud. And why that's really, really important is it, you have to understand how your applications work. You have to understand the data flows of your applications because you may realize that um, you know, your application is really, really expensive because it's almost all data coming out of your application and you may have to figure out how to optimize for that. So it's not only inbound and outbound data, but also um, whether you're sending data from one region to another. In most cases, there's a cost associated with that as well. So um, it's really important to not only understand the basic cost of your data, uh, you know, the storage cost, but also the movement cost of your data. So keep those two factors in mind because um, you can be uh, really sort of unpleasantly surprised by a bill if you don't understand the way your data works. So Aaron, uh, we covered a lot about data and storage and sort of where it is and how it works and which ones you should pick. Any last uh, thoughts you want to wrap up before we move into episode three? Um, <clears throat> just like the previous one, I would say this is super foundational podcast um, because understanding these elements, I would actually say storage, uh, as we mentioned in kind of closing out the costs, could be a significant portion of your bill. Yep. And so you want to understand and you want to properly plan out how and uh, how your application should perform and how to make sure it is safe and how to make sure your data is in all the locations it should be to to prevent failure um because it is very easy to overpay in something like this you could very easily go buy super expensive storage um and then replicate it everywhere and come up with a huge bill and so you want to make sure you right size all of this and it is designed and architected properly and this one is probably more important to get right as quickly as possible than some of the others when it comes to like tuning it up or tuning it down because you're picking a storage platform and 
if you don't pick the right platform, sometimes you're migrating that data from one platform to another platform, as opposed to just picking a different instance type or just yep. picking a difference, you know, networking type as well. So this one is, is critical um, to get right, I would say in closing. Yep. No, absolutely. You know, com- compute can be ephemeral or can come and go. Data has gravity. So you got to, got to make good choices around storage and hopefully we gave you some, some good foundational things. So with that, we're going to wrap up and we look forward to talking to you in episode three. Thank you for listening to Cloudcast Basics. You can find all the show details at cloudcastbasics.net or in your favorite podcast player.